But uh, today we're going to study ministering healing at Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13. So Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. The curse of the law contained poverty, sickness, and spiritual death. Christ has redeemed me from these things. I'm redeemed from these things. I'm redeemed from sickness. I'm redeemed from poverty. I'm redeemed from spiritual death. I'm redeemed. I'm, I have been redeemed. Jesus was made a curse for me. Jesus was made sickness with my sickness, and so I don't have to experience sickness. Jesus already bore it. It's there on the cross, and so it's not on me. Why would you pay for a bicycle if somebody else already paid for it? If mommy already bought you a new computer, store owner comes to you and knocks on your door and says, I want to get paid for that computer, and you said, no, it's already been paid for, and here's the receipt. Here's the receipt. This is what, tell, this is what tells you it's already been paid for. In California, we have these companies that make a lot of money called title insurance companies. Title insurance companies basically just charge you money to tell you that land is your land and tell you that you have the title deed. Faith is the title deed, the evidence of things hoped for, the title deed. Faith is. Hebrews 11.1 1 tells us that faith is that title deed of the things hoped for. Faith tells us that we believe God's word, and if God said it, we've got it. We've got God's written title deed on these things. When it comes to spiritual matters, there it is. What are you going to do about it? There's the truth. Going to challenge me on this? It's right there. It's right there in the Word. Rah! I got the title deed right here. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. So I'm not sick. It says so right here. I'm standing on this title deed right here, and I'm not going any further. You're not going to. It's right there. Urgh. And that's the way you've got to be with the devil. You've got to fight battles. And what do you fight? You fight the good fight of faith. And you stand on the Word. So no, it is what God says it is. I'm healed. I was. I remember one fight I had with a, a cold driving up 280. And I felt that scratch in the back of my throat. You know that first scratch in the back of your throat when you just start to know that this is, uh, it seemed like I, I used to get this really honking cough. Honk, honk. And it would last for two weeks. And I, it was very, have a very funky sounding cough. And I sound like a goose or something like that. It would last too long and, and sound terrible, and I, I could feel it starting. I bought it all the way up 280, making noise, just saying, I am not going to get sick. I rebuke this in the name of Jesus. I won't accept this sickness. I am not going to get sick. And I just talked and talked and talked, and normally, that's kind of counterproductive. Normally, you want to drink, you know, a little lemon water and, you know, just a little bit of honey and warm water, uh, different little cures and stuff. I got to take extra vitamins and go to bed early and but you're not going to stress your voice. But I did. And I stressed, I stressed healing and preached healing to myself and told the devil, I'm not going to accept this. And by the time I got up home, this is when I lived in Burlingame, I didn't have a scratch in my throat anymore. Normally what it would have been is that I would have been yelled my, yelled my throat raw. But no, I yelled myself healthy. It's a fight. It is a fight. You might as well fight it when you still got the strength. Because, you know, you can get down where you just don't have the strength anymore. And even if you don't have the strength anymore to, to talk, just get out the Word and just read. 
Read the Bible. Build up your spirit. Build up your spirit. If you can't do anything else, don't watch Oprah. If you can't do anything else, don't watch General Hospital. Don't watch Animal Planet. What you want to watch is the Word of God. When you're tired, you just read the Word. Feed on the Word. Get the tapes out. Listen to those tapes. It may be boring as all get out, but the thing about it is, is you're feeding your spirit. It is a spiritual battle, and it's the strong faith of a man that will sustain him. You've got to win it there. Another story. I'm at Rama, and the honk and cough comes on me. And it's while I'm taking he, uh, Christ the Healer. It's the name of the class. And so I'm sitting in Christ the Healer. Honk, honk. And Christ has redeemed us from the honk, curse of the honk, law. And everybody's looking over at me. And where's your faith, Ellen? And honk, honk. Finally, I have to just leave the classroom, and I'm out. Have you ever really held on to one of those coughs, and then your eyes are watering, you feel like you're about to explode, and then you go, you stagger out, you get out in the hallway and close the door, and it's a tile hallway. You know how a tile hallway just echoes? And, oh, God, so embarrassing. And so a good friend of mine chases me down, and I've had this darn thing for like 14 days, and it's just, it's just totally embarrassing, and it's a mess, and I, I really like to get rid of it. And my friend chases me down on the way home, and he says, Brad, I, I had Christ the Healer here the other day, and, and, uh, and, and I, I got sick. And what I did is I got out my notes, and I started rereading my old, my old notes from Christ the Healer. And it started talking about building up your spirit, man. You've got to build up your spirit, man. And he just encouraged me to do that, build up my spirit, man. And so that's what I did. I... I got out my, my Bible, and I just started reading the Bible and just building up my spirit, man. Started listening to tapes and just focusing right here on building this up. I, it wasn't vitamin C. It wasn't zinc. It wasn't vitamin B12. It was vitamin B-I-B-L-E. And I built up my spirit, and in two days, I was completely healed. I was completely healed. And it was because I built up my spirit. It will make the difference. It's the strong spirit of a man that will sustain him. So one of my favorite scriptures on healing is Psalm 103. You might see it on the test. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Read this with me. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. He forgives all your iniquities. He heals all your diseases. He forgives all your iniquities. He heals all your diseases. That covers it all. What a wonderful scripture that is. So now we're going to go through a couple more scriptures and then we're going to talk about God's compassion. Matthew 8 says, When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. And he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick, underline all, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. This is exactly the same language as Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles through faith. So this is the exact same thing 
as Galatians 3. It's Matthew 8, quoting Isaiah, talking about the cross. It was because of the cross that Jesus could heal all who were sick. And 1 Peter 2.24 talks about the cross. And I just, I believe the cross. I just, you know, let's just all, all agree on one thing. We can all agree on the cross. We can all agree on the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. What happened at the cross? We got healed at the cross. We got blessed at the cross. And poverty was on the cross too. Our sickness was on the cross. Poverty was on the cross. Everything that you want to be redeemed from was on the cross. Loneliness, low self-esteem, depression, sexual issues. Everything was redeemed on the cross. Drugs. It's all there. It's on the cross. 1 Peter 2.24 Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Again, what's the stripes? It's the cross. It's the, the, the whole event. Jesus' punishment so that we could be set free. Christ has redeemed from the curse of the law. Why will God heal us right now? Was he compassionate in his ministry? Was he moved with compassion in his ministry? Was Jesus the express image of the Father? The Bible says he was the exact representation of God. In other words, if God himself were to come down from heaven and walk as a man, that's what Jesus' ministry represented. It was exactly as if. It was not God leaving the throne. Some theologians get confused on that, and they say heaven was empty, and God was walking around. There's just one. But when Jesus was baptized, some people who have trouble with the Trinity and get confused about that, this is my beloved son. The voice came. Jesus didn't throw his voice. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And the dove descended upon him. You see Jesus in the water, the voice coming from heaven, and the dove descending upon him. All three parts of the Trinity right there. In Genesis 1, we've got all three parts of the Trinity right there. Let us create heaven. Let us. You have, you have the plural God, and the Spirit of God was moving upon the face of the waters. Without Jesus... Nothing, that were, nothing was made that was made, says in John. Without him, nothing was made that was made. He was in the beginning with God, John 1. In other words, we have, the Bible is clearly Trinitarian. And, and people who, who get confused about that make up some funny things, but it's clearly Trinitarian. And, and the baptism of Jesus is a good example of it. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he is the expression of God's of God's will. It's important that we understand that some of these Trinitarian issues because otherwise you'll get confused about who Jesus is. Jesus was a man fully anointed by the Holy Spirit. If Jesus was not 100% man operating with 100% of the Holy Spirit, then he would not have been the perfect substitute for you. Or you. He wouldn't be the perfect substitute for me. Because if he comes down as God and cruises through sinless, what did that prove? It didn't prove anything. Well, you know, you're God. What, that, that doesn't help. But he comes through as a man who was tempted in all points as we are, yet without sin. That's the cool thing about Jesus. That's also the cool thing about our potential. He operated as a man anointed by the Holy Spirit, fully anointed. So 
we can do this too. We can operate in that same anointing. He did it. He did it. He obeyed. He learned. He learned to obey from the things that he suffered. And he got fully anointed. He fasted. He prayed. He sought. He coveted the anointing. You can be a lot more anointed than you are today. You can seek after the anointing. You can go after it. You can fast for it. You can seek after it. You can ask for it. One of the things I started asking for in my teens was for wisdom. I didn't ask for good behavior, but I asked for wisdom. God gave me wisdom, and I, I got these test scores that were up here, and then, but I was acting like a goof-off, and my, college, my high school counselor, I got this letter that said that you're, you've been invited to the Mentally Gifted Minor Program, and so all the brains are going off to this program, you know, at lunchtime or just after school or something like that. I go and show it to my, my high school counselor, and he looks at that, and he goes, Alan, you! <laughs> ah, ah, no, no, you don't want to go to that. You can't go to that. <laughs> I was like, I didn't want to hang out with those kids either. Anyways, you can pray for wisdom and get it. Let him ask of God who, who gives to all men liberally and upbraideth not. And so he gives it. Ask for anointing. Ask for wisdom. Ask for these things. God will give them. God will give them. Jesus shows God's mercy. And Jesus is the express image of God who is love. God is love, it says in John. It says in 1 John, God is love. It says in John chapter, 1 John 4, 4, God is love. And Jesus was moved with that same compassion. He was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion, and when he was moved with compassion, he healed all their sick. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he was compassionate towards the sick then, is he not compassionate towards the sick today? He is absolutely the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has not, not on this side of the cross, changed from what he was on that side of the cross. He is exactly the same. He was moved, he was touched with their infirmities. He was touched with the feeling of their infirmities. It, when you see a sick child, does it not just tear you up? When you see somebody in pain, it just hurts. When you see a cripple, don't you, I pray. It just, it just is wrong. And you just see, you just know what they're going through. And you just, you pray. It's not right. And your spirit knows it. God knows it. The world knows it. And the devil knows it too. And he's just challenging you. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to declare God's word in this situation. In the face of what it looks like, I'm going to declare healing in this situation. When everybody else is crying and boohooing about the way it looks like it's going, I'm declaring healing. I'm standing right here on the word of God, and I'm going to make a stand for God. Jesus did it at Lazarus' tomb. Roll away the stone. What? If you had been here, he wouldn't have died, but, you know, he's dead now, and three days dead. Roll away the stone. Roll away the stone. Pull out the tubes. Turn off the machine. <laughs> Throw away your crutches. Need some boldness around here. Matthew 9:35. So Jesus saw the multitudes move with compassion and heals them. His ministry was teaching, preaching, and healing. And then what does he do? When he sees the multitude, he sees them with like a like sheep without a shepherd, and he sees their condition. He heals them, and he calls the twelve. And what's he first do? He gives them the power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal. And so you see, 
the source of the sickness is the unclean spirit. In many cases, in many, many cases, it's an evil spirit at work. And to cast out evil spirits and heal sicknesses. And so this is how Jesus is going to express his compassion. He's going to send some more physicians. He's the great physician, and you're the good physician. You're the, you're the almost great physician. We're the, we're the little great physician. You know, he's the great physician. We're the nurses or the, we're the helpers or whatever we are. Interns. Interns. That is a good word for it. We're the interns. Hallelujah. And this, that's really the definitive scripture along these lines is that one right there, Matthew 14, 14. Saw a great multitude, moved with compassion, healed their sick. Has he changed at all? No. Matthew 20. There's a couple of things that come out in this verse is that they said, have mercy on us, have mercy on us, have mercy on us. He says, yeah, that's easy. I do. I have mercy on you. Now be more specific. Isn't that interesting? It's kind of obvious what it is that they're asking for, and yet Jesus says, be obvious. Ask for the, ask for the specifics. Ask specifically. Do you just say, God, I need money? Or do you ask specifically? It's scriptures like this that really point to the issue. Ask specifically. Lord, I need $619.75 to pay this bill, to you know, finish paying off this credit card. Father, bring it in. Here it is. Here they are saying, have mercy on us, have mercy on us. It's like, yeah, of course I have mercy on you. What Now what? Isn't that interesting? He, you know, help, help, help. And then he says, specifically what? You know, specifically, I want my lower back healed. I want my shoulder healed. I want my left lower back rear tooth right here, this molar, is really giving me problems. You know, that kind of thing. You get, you get real specific about what it is that you want him to do for you. Exactly. Why? Because it gets more glory to God. Oh, God, be merciful to me. I am. Well, specifically, Lord, I'm asking for this specific thing to happen. And God gets more glory from that specific thing being done. Pastor Cho's great story. Pastor Cho was, was praying for, you know, just help. Oh, God, help. Oh, God, help. And he needed a bicycle, he needed a desk, and he needed a, was it a chair? It's a bicycle and a desk, and I think it's a chair. And he'd been praying for a long, long time. Nothing had happened. And God showed him what kind of bicycle, what kind of desk, what kind of chair. Isn't that interesting? He didn't just sort of randomly, he knows, he knows. But when Pastor Cho said, I want an American bicycle, I want a mahogany desk. And maybe it was a swivel chair or a reclining chair, something like that. It was in two weeks that he got an American bicycle, a mahogany desk, and this specific kind of chair that he wanted. Changed his life. Changed his ministry. Pray specifically. Pray specifically. Also, give specifically. If you um, are praying for new clothes, get something out of your closet, put it in a black plastic bag, and take it to Goodwill. Or give it to your pal. Give it to somebody else who will wear it. Sew some clothes. If you, uh, we did this one time. We helped somebody with their mortgage payment, believing for real estate. I couldn't, I couldn't pay their whole mortgage, but I just felt like it was. I needed to sew something towards real estate, and I paid some. I paid, I think, four hundred dollars towards someone's mortgage payment. I just, I just wanted to sew in a specific area. It makes a difference. It makes a big difference. Mark chapter one, verse forty. He is so willing. He is so willing 
to do it right now. So we receive your healing right now, Lord. We receive your healing right now because you are willing. And so we receive healing from colds. We receive healing from flu. We receive healing from pain. We receive perfect digestive systems. We receive perfect bones, perfect joints, perfect teeth. We receive perfect eyes right now in Jesus' name. We receive perfect hearts right now in Jesus' name. We receive good metabolism right now, good digestive systems right now in Jesus' name. No pain. No pain. Pain must leave right now in Jesus' name. Perfect livers, perfect kidneys, perfect health in Jesus' name. Perfect skin, all skin issues. Nails, toenails, hearing, no more split ends. <laughs> Amen. Dry scalp. We're, we're redeemed. We're redeemed. He's willing. Thank you, God. We receive that. Mark chapter 5. Who wants to take that? And uh, anyways, that's the, the story about the Gadarene demoniac. Basically, just kind of skimmed through that. But after Jesus heals him and sets him free, what does he say about it? In verse 19, he says, How every demoniac wants to come with him who's now set free. And Jesus didn't permit him but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on him. Isn't that awesome? I think that this verse addresses sometimes homeless ministry. When I first got saved, I used to think that people who were poor or homeless thought just like I thought, had every potential that I have, and if they were just given a few bucks and some new clothes and a chance, they'd, they'd be just like us. They, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't do any different. That's not really the case in, in many times. Sometimes it is, but it, many times it's not the case. And here Jesus, when the guy says, you know, after the guy's been set free, he's been ministered to, he's been healed, he wants to tag along and, and become part of the group. And Jesus said, no, no, you really shouldn't become part of the group here, but you can be part of your group and go home to your friends and you tell them about me when after I've, go up on the cross and, and, and after I send out my Holy Spirit, you know, your village is going to be ready for my disciples to come to it and they're all going to get saved because you've already done some pre-evangelism here and in about a year and a half, my disciples are going to come through here and preach healing and preach Jesus and, you know, you're going to set the stage for them to come through and this whole village, you know, is going to come to Christ. You know, so, so this guy's got a role, but it's not necessarily one of the 12 disciples. I, I wasted a lot of time and money, uh, and uh, my pastor said, you know, Brad, if you invested that same amount of time with Joe over here, you know, you just spent half a Saturday trying to help this one person. Well, you know, you end up getting kind of frustrated and ask for more. If you'd spent half a Saturday with Joe over there, now where would you have been? And I was like, oh, man, that person would have appreciated it. That person would have thanked me. That person would have learned something. That person would have, you know, gone from here to there. Instead, we just sort of spun our wheels. So think about that stuff. And it's not that it's not that we shouldn't. We should. We should help the poor. But the, the, when the gospel says go and make disciples and invest your time wisely, you find the people, Jesus invested himself in the 12. And he had to pray and pray and pray over which 12. Which 12. Which 12 are going to change the world. And he found 12 that would change the world. When you have time to sow into different people down the road, who are you going to sow into? So into the people that are really going to make a difference, that are really going to take the gospel and run with it and do something, with, do something for Jesus. Spend your time wisely because this is the stuff that's going to invest for eternity. So, so you know, really, really be selective 
Who are you going to spend your time with? Jesus was. Mark chapter 9. This is a great and important verse. Verse 14. Well, what did Jesus say in verse 19 when they said, we can't cast him out? He said, you faithless generation. Ah, he was frustrated. He was frustrated with what? Faith. Their lack of faith. It was their lack of faith. And then the father says to Jesus in verse 22, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, put it back on him. First, the guy says, if you can. And Jesus says, no, it's not about if I can. And he puts it back on him. Isn't that interesting? You know, so many times we're saying, if there is a God, then. Of course there's a God. That's not the issue. Do we believe? And Jesus put it back on him. He says, if you, if, he says, if you. And he says, no, if you can believe. All things are possible to him who believes. And so it's not up to God whether is God willing. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and we saw that he's willing. Is God compassionate? Of course he is. He's love. He's moved with compassion. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And, and compassion is causing him to heal people. And then he says, if you have compassion, of course I have compassion. But if you can believe, all things are possible to you if you believe. So the, the variable is not God. God is not the variable. It's always us. And it's always a mistake to get mad at God. He doesn't change. He's not letting you down. If something isn't working, it's not dysfunctional in heaven. It's not mixed up up there. It's got to get changed here. If it's time, if, it, if something you've been praying about hasn't come about for a while, change your approach. Remember the woman with the daughter, who, the Syrophoenician woman who comes to Jesus with her daughter. She comes at him and she says, Oh, son of David, have mercy upon me. He answered her not a word. And then she keeps coming back and she keeps coming back and he just shuts her down. But she keeps coming back and she keeps pressing and she just gets lower and lower and more humble and more humble. How many of us have seen or have done this, have gotten angrier and angrier and more upset with God and got nothing. Here's the boo-boo. Somewhere here. Lord, give me wisdom. All right. I know I probably don't want to hear this, but God, what is it? Where am I missing it? So Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In Luke 7, there's another example of compassion. Jesus is coming to a city called Nain. A funeral procession is coming out of the city. And here's an example where nobody's faith is mentioned. It's not about anybody's faith whatsoever that you can tell, at least operating in the story. Perhaps it's not, it's not said. Perhaps mom had prayed. Perhaps the children were praying. Perhaps mom and dad had been praying about this situation and just it, it were just, God, please, please, please. But it's, it, that's not recorded. It just says that Jesus sovereignly walks up and just raises somebody from the dead because purely from compassion purely just out of God's powerful, wonderful love. And that's awesome. And so it's not all about what we can do and all that kind of stuff. Sometimes God just does that. It's awesome. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. The blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. This is 
redemptive realities. I am redeemed from the curse of the law. The curse of the law contains poverty, sickness, and spiritual death. We're redeemed from sickness. You're redeemed from sickness. You're redeemed from sickness. You're redeemed from sickness. Jesus bore it on the cross. It's already been paid for. God's compassion proves it. Amen? And so we're going to minister in it. Hallelujah.